is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Emmons, Washington, where I am happy that the football season is back. Not so happy about all the military propaganda that will be involved. My name is Tim Kilkenny. And from Hood River, Oregon, where I've endured uh, some serious sports pain on the first football weekend of the year, I'm Andrew Hoffman. That's true. That is true. Oregon has lost and... The Seahawks have lost. The uh, yeah. Seahawks' loss was, I think, slightly more hopeful than the Oregon loss. A loss in college football is a bit of a death sentence. That's the end of uh, that year for you as far as no- <laughs> the number one thing goes. Well, the, I think regardless of what happened, they still needed to win their conference. So yeah. Still got a chance. Yeah. But... but I'll tell you what, uh, watching Marcus Mariota's first game as a professional. <laughs> Almost make think, up for it? Well, just think uh, he still had a year of eligibility left if he had just decided, ah, I want to stick in college one more year. Can you imagine what he'd be doing at the college level? Um, no, since he lit it up on the professional level and uh, the guy who got drafted before him looked out of place and slow. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, pretty amazing, actually. Wait, the the guy that uh, Jameis Winston, uh, the low character guy who turned the ball over constantly in college, but somehow was the most overhyped quarterback of our generation, didn't play well. <laughs> and the, and the guy who very very rarely threw an interception. Um, you know, but of course that was all because of the system at Oregon. Yep. Just comes out and throws He's a four touchdowns. Yep, system player, system player. That's all. Well, um, not to rub it in, but my Sooners and my uh, San Diego Chargers were both down by double digits uh, late into the third, fourth quarter in both the games they played this week, and both ended up triumphant. So well, that's, it's a strange, strange world that we're in when the Sooners and the Chargers are down by 21 points each, I think. Oh, 21. Yeah, I think they're both down 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Very strange. And they both won. So Yeah, if you had taken out a, a parlay in, in Vegas, um, Ducks losing, Seahawks losing, Chargers Sooners winning, Sooners winning, winning. <laughs> Uh, it would have paid pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I think to correct myself, the Chargers were not down in the fourth quarter, but in the third quarter they were down twenty-one-three. So, yeah. Um, now that we've lost half our listeners, what's going on? <laughs> hey, it's football season, it, people. It is football season. If you are a new listener, you do have to put up with a little bit of football talk. Why? Because, well, we we like football. We only talk to each other about once a week, and uh, that's about it. We are well aware that it is the opium of the masses and that it often includes propaganda. And tune in to this show each week and we will tell you what we noticed on the football games this week. Did you notice anything? I didn't didn't see too, too much. No, I mean, I 
I usually don't watch commercials or anything. So. Yeah, I didn't watch commercials either, so uh, mm. that doesn't help us. But, you know, no pomp and ceremony or anything crazy uh, that I saw anyway. Oh. So, well, uh, I'm sure they'll they'll uh, they'll they'll wedge it in there pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, where do you want to start? Well, I have a super easy one to start with. Uh, kind of lighthearted, not super important, but a good media study. Okay. And it's one of the only stories I got in the secret folder today, so I'll jump out with it and then let you take the reins. All right. So this story is actually, I, I think I posted a link from the story from the LA Times. Uh, this story was, I, I, double, I searched it as well uh, and found that it was originally from the Associated Press and then ran whole cloth in the LA Times. I read it originally in the Seattle Times, and I believe it was also in the New York Post or Washington Post, I'm not sure. LA Times, Seattle Times for sure, uh, as well as the AP. Uh, so automakers vow to put the brakes on rear-end collisions. The test vehicles, and so this is, like I said, it's a media study. The actual content here is not necessarily what's important as kind of w- some things that we can glean from this. Because every now and then you see a story, and it's a, in your field, and you're like, what in the world are they talking about? <laughs> And right. I think it's a good example. So the test vehicle approaches a stationary target and brakes autonomously to avoid or mitigate a collision with the balloon target during an insurance institute for highway safety testing. The test vehicle approaches a stationary target. I just read that. Every 17 seconds, a driver on a U.S. road gets hit from behind. In fact, a third of all crashes are rear-end collisions. Traffic safety regulators and insurance companies and automakers have tried for years to figure out how to stop so many people from plowing into cars in front of them. Accidents that result in deaths, injuries, and millions of dollars in repairs and increased premiums. Now, I'm sure that they, they're really upset about the increased premiums. Uh, now comes a radical move to change all of that. Ten of the world's largest automakers, along with federal safety regulators and insurance industry trade group, announced Friday that they will begin making automatic emergency braking a standard feature in future car models sold in the U.S., the systems use on-vehicle sensors such as radar, camera, or lasers to detect an imminent crash, warn the driver, and if the driver does not take action, it engages the brakes. We've entered a new era in vehicle safety focused on preventing crashes from occurring rather than just protecting occupants when crashes happen. Audi, BMW, Ford, General Motors, Mazda, Mercedes-Benz, Tesla, Volkswagen, and Volvo, and Toyota – Each agree to work within the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to develop a timeline for installing automatic brakings as a standard feature in all the cars they sell in the U.S. Those companies accounted for 57% of U.S. auto sales last year. Friday's announcement brings the rapidly changing auto industry one step closer to self-driving vehicles. Many cars are already available with automated features, including cruise control that speeds and slows with traffic, lane departure alerts with steering assistance, and high beams that switch on and off in the absence of oncoming cars. Making the automatic emergency braking system standard will be an important advancement in motor vehicle safety, said Jake Fisher, automotive test director at Consumer Reports. Robotic braking helps prevent or reduce the impact of rear-end collisions, which account for 33% of all crashes. Most crashes involve driver error. This technology can compensate for the mistakes that every driver makes because the systems are always on alert, monitoring the road ahead and never getting tired or distracted. Uh, Sam Farina of Oxnard said the emergency system in 2013 Subaru Outback once kicked in when a car in front of him braked suddenly. It reacted quicker than I did, and it might have saved me from an impact. He said he paid, an, he paid for the extra option because he wanted to add a layer of safety, especially in the era of more distracted driving with everyone texting. 
But with Dick Tripp of El Paso, Texas, worries about robotic braking is not yet ready for prime time. Tripp's 2014 Honda Accord comes with sensors that flash lights between and beep when the car gets close to another car. It's a good safety feature, but I don't want it braking on me. If It often mistakes parked cars or other fixed objects on curves as objects to be concerned about. An automatic braking finds its way into more vehicles. Consumer Reports will stop recommending cars that lack it. Let's keep going and... Well, that's interesting. Uh, so this vehicle, this, this has actually been edited. <laughs> the whole point for the thing is now gone. Huh. Okay, so here's the important part now. So what I was, the whole reason I read this originally was because Volvo said that, so at the top it says Audi, BMW, and Volvo's included, is, is developing a timeline to make it standard feature on all the vehicles they sell in the U.S. That is funny, because Volvo owns the patents for automatic braking. They put them on all their cars starting, or they put them on cars starting in 2010, and as late, I think it was 2014 was the first year that every car they had had automatic braking. They own mm. the patent for it. They do not enforce it because Volvo, being the safest car manufacturer out there, never enforces their safety patents. If it's a safety feature, they let it, anyone who they want who wants to use it use it. So I was laughing because this thing said that they were. Uh, this article said. Volvo was on a list to make it standard. It's been standard for over two years already. Already mm. more cars are coming equipped with automatic braking. Mercedes-Benz offers a front-end crash prevention system in its 2015 C-Class. And then Volvo made low-speed automatic braking standard on all its vehicles last year. That was actually added to this story. When I put this story... Yep. 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 So at the bottom, <laughs> originally posted at 1.02 p.m., Updates with additional information at 6.02. Someone wrote them, because I could not find a person to write, to say, are you guys, is anybody checking anything that they're writing here? Because what they, they changed this article on me. They changed it. What it did say was that uh, it was only an upgrade available in Infinities, Mercedes, and uh, I think there was one other car that it listed. Now that whole thing is totally changed, but after it made it its way whole cloth into numerous newspapers around the country. So anyway, it, not as, not as uh, great an example of how lazy our media is um, <laughs> as it was when I put it in here. Um, this story was actually, and I was starting to realize that as I was reading it, only half as long when it was originally posted and said that Volvo was also working. I mean, at the top of it, it says it's working with the IIHS to make it standard in all their cars, yet... All the way at the bottom, it says Volvo made it standard on all their cars already. So uh, even the edits aren't aren't quite there. So um, every now and then you just see a story that has to do with something you happen to know about run whole cloth in numerous you know newspapers, and it's just a good example of you know people are lazy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> journalists are reposting stories. So uh, there we go. There's my super excited, not so awesome because they came back and edited that story opening to this to this show. Okay. All right. You get the idea. Got it. All right. What do you got for us, Andrew? Um, well, I think... I don't think we've talked about the serious situation in a while. Uh, that's a good point. Yep. So this article comes from RT. So we get some... Got some Russian propaganda for you. Okay. 
And um, they did an interview with Assad. And the, the quote that's the title of the interview is, if you are worried about refugees, stop supporting terrorists. <laughs> um, or Hillary Clinton. Clearly he's, clearly he's crazy. Right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Europe is not dealing with the cause of the current refugee crisis. Syrian President Bashar Assad said in an interview with Russian media, RT among them, adding that all Syrian people want is security and safety. It's not about that Europe didn't accept them or embrace them as refugees. It's about not dealing with the cause. If you are worried about them, stop supporting terrorists. That's what we think regarding the crisis. This is the core of the whole issue of refugees. If we ask any Syrian today what they want, the first thing they would say, we want security and safety for every person and every family. The Syrian president said, adding that political forces, whether inside or outside the government, should unite around what the Syrian people want. The Syrian fabric, as Assad has called it, <clears throat> includes people of many ethnicities and sects, including the Kurds. They are not foreigners, the Syrian president said, adding that without such groups of people who have been living in the region for centuries, there wouldn't have been a homogeneous Syria. <clears throat> Assad said that the dialogue in Syria should be continued in order to reach the consensus, which cannot be implemented unless we defeat the terrorism in Syria. If you want to implement anything real, it's impossible to do anything while you have people being killed. Bloodletting hasn't stopped. People feel insecure, the Syrian president said. I would like to take this opportunity to call on all forces to unite against terrorism because it is the way to achieve the political objectives which we as Syrians want through dialogue and political action. He also said in the same interview, uh, let me find it here. No, it doesn't have the preview now. Um, <laughs> oh, let's see. No, it's gone. But something about um, stop holding out help for refugees in one hand and a machine gun in the other. Uh, so he's accusing Europe and the West of using terrorists to attack his country. Um, which sounds kind of crazy, except it's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sounds like we're ruining this country and that's what's happening. Yeah. And then, uh, blaming it on him and, um, Germany is taking in large numbers of Syrian immigrants. Um, they kind of need them for their workforce. And now, it's uh I'm noticing it's beginning to make the rounds um in America kind of the liberal side is saying, Hey, we should bring in some Syrian immigrants. Um no one's really saying about the much about the African immigrants, but uh uh oh, you know, we need taking the Syrian refugees, what have you. Um which you know, to, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on one way or the other, but uh, it is starting to get in the news. So right. watch out for a potential campaign issue. Okay. The, the Syrian refugees. Um, I do have a particular bent on it, and I, you know, I'm going to err 
I'm not going to err. I'm just going to go for it. Um, so as Christians, to be our brother's keeper would be to take Syrian refugees in, right? Um, well, are you talking about on a, on a personal level or on a... Well, I would say on a personal level, sure. Yeah. Uh, but on... Um, on a on a Christian level, shouldn't we also then be concerned about why they're running out of their country? Yes. So I, say so. I have recently run into, uh, you know, I keep my my eye, we keep one eye on the guy, one of the guys I despise the most, Glenn Beck. Hmm. Glenn Beck says that as far as Syrian refugees go. He's going to save more people than Schindler. Glenn Beck claims Glenn, this? Glenn Beck is vowing to smuggle persecuted Christian Syrians into the United States, even if it lands him in jail. Even really? In an emotional interview okay. with the Daily Caller's Ginny Thomas, Beck insisted, you don't need permission to do the right thing. I will gr- gladly grace a jail for saving people's lives. We can see a boy laying face down in the sand, and we don't accept them in our country. We don't have a light that we are holding by the door anymore, he said, wiping tears from his eyes. By the way, Beck can cry on command. He's, told, he's, he's said that he could do this. Uh, <laughs> Beck's reference is to the Emma Lazarus poem on the Statue of Liberty. Stop asking for permission. Stop thinking we need permission, he urged. Ask my audience if we could raise $10 million before Christmas to bring Christians in from Syria. We'll vet them ourselves. I have former CIA people that are going over, and they're vetting everybody right now. They can save more people by Christmas than Oscar Schindler. Saved, okay? There you go. It's there's a little bit of irony in the CIA being involved <laughs> at some level. You say a little. No, no, man. We didn't pay any of these guys to to try and kill Assad, so they're they're good. Go ahead and bring him back. Aren't they? I mean, is it isn't back right along with them? I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. Uh, if if the CIA. And it just let's just say intelligence services in general, if they are involved in any way in the creation of ISIS, the funding of ISIS, the uh, continuing of ISIS, or you know, at worst that they literally are ISIS, um, aren't they essentially dra- like trying to drag American Christians into a holy war? Well, they're trying to wipe out. Christians wherever they can be found. Right, and that is now on the uh, that is now you know on, in the media and on every news channel. So is, doesn't that encourage <laughs> you know this this holy war that the uh, you know that some person that we know may or may not be writing about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that it would. I I will say that Glenn Beck's response is the right response. Uh, question his motives. Um, I guess I have a hard time believing, believing in his motives. Really? But, uh, That's a shock. <laughs> but don't see why. Yeah. At least he's not saying let's uh, get $10 million together and, get some weapons and send some more weapons to the people in Syria. Right. Yeah. That's, so. a, good, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. 
I just, I guess maybe I am bitter. Maybe I need to, uh, to work on it, but I just think, you know, uh, why don't we worry about the cause of it and, uh, you continue to support all the wars, uh, that we go into, uh, might be contributing to, uh, what we're doing here. Yes. You as in Glenn Beck, not you right. as in Andrew Hoffman. Yep. Got it. Uh, so anyway, so watch for that campaign issue transition because um, one particular paragraph in this New York Times article um, almost made me jump out of my chair. So... Uh, CNN hopes to capture candidates' combative spirit in GOP debate. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole article. The leading Republican presidential hopefuls have spent the week since their first debate provoking each other with distant taunts and tweeted insults. And now CNN, which hosts the second candidate clash here Wednesday night, is aiming to capture that same combative spirit by getting the candidates to engage with one another in person and on camera. The effort to encourage candidate interaction differs from the approach taken in the first debate by Fox News, which relied heavily on its three accomplished moderators to ask tough questions, forcing the participants to outline their positions and explain the records, yielding only a handful of memorable exchanges between the men on stage. Fox News drew praise for its handling of the event, along with the record number of viewers, but CNN's team of producers and moderators said they were looking to establish a different tempo and to emphasize candidate interaction above all else. My goal is more about let's draw the contrast between the candidates and have them fight it out over those policies, over who has the best approach to Putin, over who has the best approach to taxes, over who believes what over over immigration reform, said Jake Tapper, CNN's chief Washington correspondent who is moderating Wednesday's debate, yada, yada, yada. Have them lay it all out so voters can see it. Um, Skipping down... That's how we've been crafting our questions so that Senator X will respond to what Governor Y said about him or a policy he proposed and try to encourage them to actually debate Lincoln-Douglas style as much as possible, he said, referring to the face-offs between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas. All right, that was the paragraph. You going to take us on a history lesson? Okay, yes. And this, my beef is actually more with um, the New York Times than the person who said that's uh, who than Jake Tapper, because what Jake Tapper said is try to encourage them to actually debate Lincoln Douglas style as much as possible. Now that's a a name of a debating style, but then the New York Times says. It's referring to the face-offs between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas. So let's check out uh, Wikipedia for a little rundown of the Lincoln-Douglas debates and see if they have anything in common with uh, with the televised debate coming up tomorrow night. In the televised debate is a GOP debate tomorrow, or is yes, that the, okay. Yep. So who's Lincoln? Is it is it, is it Trump? Uh, so (laughs) I guess no uh, Trump would be Douglas because he's the racist one I guess if you want (laughs) to so Lincoln is Ben Carson 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but here here's the um, the format for the Lincoln Douglas debates. Okay, and there were about seven of them. Uh, the format for each debate was was one candidate spoke for sixty minutes, then the other candidate spoke for ninety minutes, and then the first candidate was allowed a thirty minute rejoinder. Right. Okay. Okay. So that is uh, literally three hours. Not exactly anything like. Can you imagine uh, any of our presidential candidates having to string together a coherent thought for ninety straight minutes? <laughs> they can't do ninety seconds. And can you imagine the American people listening for ninety minutes? Listening because these these got huge crowds. And newspapers sent st- st- uh, stenographers got complete texts of each debate and printed them in full in the newspapers. And the ones that like Douglas um, would clean up Douglas's, you know, ums and ahs and things like that, uh, any grammatical errors, and then leave the. Um, Lincoln airs in there and vice versa. So, you know, slanted coverage, even of the Lincoln Douglas debates. Uh, But the idea that you could compare what our political system is built on now to the Lincoln Douglas debates is a little shocking. Because it's a basic misunderstanding of history. You just throw, I mean, he's throwing around names. Oh, this is like Lincoln Douglas. Well, and what what Jake Tapper was referring to, though, is a Lincoln Douglas debate or LD debate. Um, And that's like what they do in high school debate class. So it doesn't have to be super long. But if you're going to say, but even that kind of focuses more on, you know, you'll take like one issue and debate it. You know, it won't be. Like, Donald Trump, what's the deal with your hair? And Rand Paul, uh, why do you not like Donald Trump? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Donald I'm Trump, sh- you got a squirrel on your head. <laughs> I think someone actually uh, said that. So Yeah. No, it's a American political discourse. It's at a, a very high level these days. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And uh, let's not just bash the Republicans. Okay. Okay. Um, we've got a clip here. You want to play that an eighteen-second clip? Okay, sure. Which one, which one we got? Uh, this is the Hillary Clinton one. Oh, good. I can't wait. <laughs> let's. So Hillary Clinton has a very important message for <laughs> um, sexual assault survivors. Did you hear her on Ellen, where they said that? Uh... Um, she tries to explain the emails and then Ellen says, I think women are ha- held to an unfair standard here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the and then Ellen, yeah. Ellen's like, you know, I don't really pay attention to politics or know anything about it. It's like, no kidding. <laughs> well, the no, you're the, telling everyone to vote for Hillary. The right. no, the no agenda podcast correctly pointed out. Tell that to, to David Petraeus. Yeah. Who was uh, fired for using Gmail. Yeah. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. 
You have a right to be heard, and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. Okay. Uh, Kathleen Willie had a re- response to this because oh. she was a, a victim of sexual assault <laughs> from Bill Clinton. I just started to realize what what we were getting at here, and so, then, and then as, the, as the video concluded, yeah, I think I'm but the, on board. So, but that's a very different message Kathleen Willie received uh, in 1993 when she accused Hillary's husband. President Bill Clinton, of sexually assaulting her. She believed what happened for sure, Willie tells the American Mirror. She just chose to ignore the plight of all his victims, thus enabling him to continue to abuse and rape women in the future. Willie adds, she's a money-hungry, hypocritical witch who will do anything for money. She's a lying pig. I cannot believe that she had the gall to make that commercial. How dare she? I hope she rots in hell. (laughs) So tell us how you really feel. Uh, it's a valid point. I mean, absolutely, it's a valid point. I how mean, many, how many women came forward and said that they were assaulted by the guy? To to specifically say you have the right to be believed to sexual assault victims <laughs> with a straight face. I, I mean, you you have to be a literal psychopath, yeah, to be able to to stare in a camera and. All right. Let's hedge our bets now, just so we can make this somewhat fun, because it's not going to be fun at all. Is Hillary on any any ticket? Do you think? Who's going to beat her? You think that? Okay, okay, hold on. So you're thinking she is going to be on a ticket and that she's going to win? Yeah, you do. I um, well, when doing uh, political analysis, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I. I have a couple uh, presuppositions. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. Let's do it. Okay. So number one, I think America um, is one of the more powerful nations in world history, and power and evil is directly interconnected. Also, one of the more evil nations in world history. So I just figure. From a Christian perspective, who's the worst possible person to be running the country? And um, I just expect them to win. Yeah, the Bible is her favorite book. Yeah. So, and usually for a Christian, it's someone who claims to be a Christian and um, acts directly the opposite and um, gives Christianity and America a bad name all over the world by. Drone bombing, starting wars. Um, yeah, just. What was your favorite part of the Bible? I liked part two where that Jesus guy came. <laughs> it's better. It's better than Donald Trump not being able to name a single Bible verse. <laughs> we need to come up with a Trump Bible according to Andrew Hoffman. That's, no, I, we, I, I think. We need a full no, podcast I, of Trump Bible, according to Andrew Hoffman. I think it's Hillary Clinton against Jeb Bush. Oh, that's right. That was that's always been your goal or your uh, prediction that we yep. put all the real candidates out right now. Donald Trump and others would come in and ham- is, hammer everybody yeah. down, and then it would come out the two big shots. And we're just supposed to ignore the fact that um, Donald Trump met with Bill Clinton before declaring his candidacy. 
and just believe this is all in the up and up. Donald Trump is. Did he really? He's, yeah. He's, you know, he's a real conservative. He's going to save us from Barack Obama and from Hillary Clinton. And just watch what happens. I had to make an emergency trip to Oklahoma. <sighs> the middle of the country, my home, Oklahoma. Are they all about Trump? They do like the Trump. They, yeah. Oh, you know, the American, you know, all the big companies, they're afraid of him, you know, because he, he's got, he's you know, he don't care. He can't be bought. So. Um, <laughs> yes, because. Not an encouraging uh, trip in that way. Because most people who have uh, been willing to just ignore people's livelihoods and fire them and just built uh, built an entertainment industry on firing people, um, they don't care about money. And he's also in charge of Miss America or Miss Universe. Or it's his whole... Yeah. Rich people are known for not caring about money. This is, <laughs> this is the logic. Oh, I can't be bought because I'm already rich. Yeah, because... <laughs> Rich people don't care about making more money. That's... I sit down with people all the time and go over their financial information, and I can assure you that it is not the rich who are not worried about their money. Yeah. <laughs> I can assure you the richest among us are the most worried about their money. Yep. What was it that uh, James Corbett played? A little little uh, anecdote about Bill Gates asking for a quarter from the guy behind him for his ice cream at Seven Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's about that's about right on. So you think Clinton wins? Goodness gracious! I hope you're wrong. I do believe Bush gets the nomination for the president uh, uh, nomination on the Republican side. Uh, I live in a very liberal place. Um, I do not know people who are outwardly supportive of uh, of Hillary. Um, I, I I tend to think I brush shoulders with a lot of a lot of liberal types. Uh, fairly frequently. Are they are they Bernie Sanders fans or what? I've heard that? a lot of young people on the Bernie Sanders. I've heard a lot of the younger people on the Bernie Sanders. Um, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's. Hey man, I'll I'll take my student loans paid off. Yeah, well that's the whole. Re- I mean, he can win just based on that alone, right? But I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's weird because it's like, is that a huge issue? It's like. Uh, Hillary Clinton will adopt that position and then not do it. If she adopts the position, she might get a landslide vote. But I, you know, it's it's so messed up. I was thinking about this earlier today as well. You get you start this racket where everybody gets a loan and everybody gets saddled with debt to the point where millennials, according to the No Agenda podcast, are ready to sell one of their organs in order to have their student loan forgiven. Um, yeah. Then you dangle that carrot in front of them, and they're going to vote for him. I mean, they're just—they're absolutely going to vote for him. Yeah. Um, it's a—it's a—it's another step in the direction of socialism. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we just need to step a little bit, you know, more in the direction of fascism. You know, it's just—I don't—I so, just don't know which one to, to vote for. You know, should we become more fascist, corporate corporatocracy, where we're uh, starting wars based on uh, whatever the companies want, and uh, Jeb Bush can run it, or we need to be more. More socialists like Bernie. Yeah, and I mean Bernie's got no chance. You really don't think so? No. Feel the burn. I've seen Bernie. He is. Um, 
I and I mean he would be terrible for the country, but not terrible for the country in the way that the elites want someone to be terrible for the country. It's <laughs> a valid point. So you know, you know your your position makes too much sense. I hate it, but it makes too much sense. Um I think that that it's a, it's a, unless you can if you can show me that one of the other candidates is more evil <laughs> than Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton, then I will. Well, Hillary change my mind. Hillary, I think you know uh, one of the things you pointed out early is the email scandal is a cover up for the money scandal. The even no the what I said was uh, well yes that too, but. Uh, the money scandal was advertising. That's my main thing. The money scandal was advertising for more yeah. money scandal. <laughs> yes. Uh, and she did get all that money. Uh, Clinton was getting $4 million in speaker's fees numerous times. He was going, trying to go to he, North Korea for $4 million. He wanted to go to North Korea. He wanted to go to uh, <laughs> what some African country where they were so, you know, chopping people's heads off and crazy stuff. It's it's like, is that all right if I go there? I'd, I mean, I want to, but... And people within uh, Hillary's Secretary of State office were, like, refusing him access, and he, like, kept asking, like, really? Like, come on, they're going to pay. Come on. <laughs> we know your position on this. Oh, you but, cannot but, go. Oh, but rich people don't care about money. Okay. <laughs> we were rich. We came up poor. We, 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 we were poor at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Now that uh, you've thoroughly depressed me, um, <laughs> so that's your answer. I say that she doesn't, but I, I, I hope you, I hope you're wrong. I'll take the other bet. If she, uh, if she is the Democratic nominee, I'll give you. Actually, no, no. If she is, do you say she wins? Does she win? Uh, whoever the Democratic nominee is is going to win. Uh. It's not close. Again? Yeah, it's it's not close. I, I don't know if we're going to have a Republican president in the next 20 years. Like with the the demographics shifting, hmm. uh, it's going to have to get really bad or be, you know, like a Republican name only type. Like, uh, well, they keep trying that and that doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. So. It's, all right. Let's, let's make it interesting. Let's put twenty bucks on it. Maybe 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 lunch, twenty bucks lunch, something like that. Let's make it interesting. You're saying she she wins. Um, and I'll have well, to... I don't I don't because if I have, so all right, I'll, I'll put I'll put lunch on it. But I I don't I'm not. I hate to bet on something that I don't want yeah. to happen. Yeah, maybe we can't bet on. Let's, let's let's not bet on. Let's bet on something else. I don't think she wins, but uh. Let's see. Let's I see I, I will out. I will um, if Donald Trump uh, does not do something that we deconstruct is deliberately sabotaging uh, the Republican Party. I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> this is a this is Donald Trump is a is a false flag. That's I'm. From the, that right Donald now. Trump is the false flag from the from, Clintons. From the Clintons. He's all he's all in with Hillary, and this is all part of a game. And he's gonna get richer in the process, too. He is not, he's getting nothing but richer right now. Uh the Donald is a false flag. Is that the show title right there? 
<laughs> sure. There you go. Wow. Well, what do you think of Ben Carson, man? He's okay. Uh, he's, he says a lot of good stuff, but uh, he's he's all about the war. Oh, but he he's all about what? War. Yeah, he's all about war, Can't and he is. Everything. He's also like, oh yeah, the government should make everyone take vaccines. Oh, good, good. That's what we need. So you're saying instead of uh, the uh, the like the last presidential, but, n- but yep. it's not even close. Ben Carson is not even close to the most evil person in the field. No, so there's no def- chance. It's definitely not. So you remember last presidential election? It was uh, who wants to bomb Iran the most is going to get the GOP nomination. Right. They were competing with, like, I want to make it a glass parking lot. I want to make it a glass parking lot twice over. Yeah. So this year, is it who wants the the refugees the least? Who wants to to take in the refugees? Wants to build the biggest wall? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, the wall. No, it's the Iran deal. Who hates the Iran deal the most? Oh, the Iran deal. Yeah. Did you hear the the guy who wrote the speech, the senator from Ohio, where he apologized to the... the, uh, Yes. (laughs) That is ridiculous. You should play a clip of that. The citizens of... I'll play it to end the show. Play (laughs) (laughs) his... He's apologizing to the citizens of 2030. I'm just guessing, but you know he's like self-proclaimed Christian conservative, too. Oh, I I guarantee it. Uh man, it was, that was brutal. Well, I'll I'll try and cue up that clip. You take us in a different direction here. All right. Uh, how about a little more football? Okay. Marshawn Lynch's mom calls Seahawks offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel uh, uh, the worst play caller ever in Facebook post. All right. What is your angle here, boss? <laughs> I agree with Marshawn Lynch's mother. <laughs> uh, so here's her. Here's a quote. To the smart uh, synonym for donkey media who wrote... That's why Marshawn didn't get the ball in the Super Bowl. How many times did Russell get sacked yesterday? Don't worry, I will wait on the answer. Plus, it was totally different at the Super Bowl. The line was better than yesterday. No blocking into the offense caller who should have been fired. Yes, I said it. Fired. He's the worst play caller ever. The only reason he called that dumb donkey play yesterday is to be able to justify the one yard that wasn't called in the Super Bowl. Definitely true. But most fans already figured this out. We're still on a mission, but I don't know this. I know the Seahawks staff loves that play caller more than a win. Go figure. Hashtag NFL don't pay me. I love this team and will stand up to anybody who tries to destroy it. Boom. <laughs> so your whole point is you agree with her? Yes. Okay. Terrible play call. Uh which again, very obscure reference because I don't. Even, it wasn't even a nationally televised game. <laughs> but the the Seahawks let me fourth summon, and one let me in su- overtime, following up an attempted onside kick that led to a field goal by the Rams, uh, decided to run 
a set with a shotgun snap on fourth and one and then try to run a draw right up the middle. Yeah, four people care about this. One of them, though, is Matt Schneider, and he's laughing. So I hope you know that. <laughs> is he a St. Louis fan? Oh, yeah, he's from Missouri. He texted me right when the game started, and I, and I was like, oh, no, 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 because I had a game on record. So he texted me right when it started. I haven't texted him back. But, hey, Matt, there you go. You can revel, yep. in, it, revel in it. Congratulations, Matt. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to more serious matters like – Apologizing to the future citizens of the world being bombed by Iran. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, because speeches made here on the House floor are preserved for history, I want to speak to the future to present a plausible scenario and an apology. An apology to be heard by the survivors. An apology to every victim of what will forever be known as the Iranian nuclear attack. I expect it will be after the year 2030 before anyone takes any real notice of this apology. Someone will find it while surfing what remains of the Internet, maybe in Israel, Western Europe, or here in the United States. Someone surrounded by the smoking ruins of leveled buildings. The incinerated corpses of those lucky enough to have been killed in the first seconds of the blast. And the wails of anguish of those left to die and mourn. So to the people of 2030, on behalf of America... I'm truly sorry. I'm sorry we failed to stop President Obama from releasing $150 billion to fuel the destructive fantasies of terrorist leaders in Iran. That lit the fuse. I'm also sad to say that the people hearing my message in 2030 will bear witness to the fact that Iranian missiles can indeed deliver nuclear holocaust to America's soil. So to our countrymen of 2030 and to our friends in Israel, whose land now lies fallow and wrecked, let me now say we were wrong. We struggle to imagine what you must be going through. The death and destruction that once haunted your nightmares now plays out before you. Families and friends are either dead or lined up at makeshift morgues to claim the bodies of loved ones. Food and water are scarce or contaminated with radiation. Refugees from the blast area stagger down gridlocked highways where traffic stopped when the detonation occurred. How did the leaders of 2015 let this happen? The answer is simple and sad. Because despite our best efforts, we couldn't stop the deal that funded, armed, and unleashed nuclear hell from the madmen of Iran. We allowed the power and persistence of the foolish to deliver a corrupt contract with a nation of terror. And in 2030, the day of reckoning arrived. And for that, I'm truly very, very sorry. May God have mercy on us all. That, I mean, where do you start with that? <laughs> So the, the re, the, I want to just point something out real quick, folks. The, the reason we want to keep doing this show, obviously we got a lot of support when we asked if we should keep doing the show. But the, the reason in my heart and in, I think in yours, I could speak for you for a minute here, is just to, to, to show people it's not as scary as the TV tells us. That things aren't as bad as they continue to try to push us to believe. And guys like this... <laughs> <laughs> who just come up i mean who what intern wrote this like you know Ugh. apocalyptic story 
I mean, it, it's, what, it's, what, it's what so I... sad. It's like, it's, it's, it reminds me of a story like you would tell to a child that was going to sleep and you wanted to scare the, the crap out of it. Like, the boogeyman lives under your bed. The Terror and... Nation. <laughs> Just it's just which which reminds me of one of my favorite uh, infographic things, and it says uh, like, "Boy, you could tell I, how bad Iran wants war by how close they put their country to all our military bases," and it shows <laughs> U.S. military bases on the border, all the way around the country. Yeah, uh, they they are surrounded by U.S. military bases, but it's uh it's. And um, what was the last country they invaded or attacked? Uh, Iran? Yeah. Uh, I don't think they invaded. Did they invade Iraq? I don't think they did. I think we funded Iraq to invade them. No, no. We Yeah, Donald Rumsfeld shaking Saddam's hand. Here, yeah, go fight go fight Iran. Yeah. Um, no, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we helped start that one, too. But I think it's been over a hundred years, so a hundred years since they've invaded somebody. Yeah. Well, at least it's been over a hundred years since we've invaded somebody too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a hundred days. <laughs> we should literally have one of those signs that says "36 days since we invaded a different another country," and then some. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So the there's just so many logical problems with that speech i don't even know if we need to break i mean i think it's fairly obvious to people uh so they're suddenly gonna have what uh a thousand nuclear weapons that will rain down on the u.s israel western europe simultaneously because that's kind of what it sounded like yeah yeah that's that's we and and I, I oh, think here you go. Uh, here you go. Er, here, give me a second. Born in Roseboro, North Carolina, Johnson grew up on family farms. He entered the United States Air Force in 1973. Married Wanda Florence Porter on April 30th, 1975. They had three children. Blah 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 blah. He retired as a lieutenant colonel after a military career of more than 26 years. He graduated summa cum laude from Troy University in Alabama, and he earned his master's degree from Georgia Tech in 84. During his tenure in the Air Force, Johnson was recognized as a distinguished graduate from the Air Force Reserve Training Officer Training Corps, Squadron Officer, and Air Command Staff College. Bill is also a recipient of the Air Force Meritorious Service Medal and the Air Force Commendation Medal and the National Defense Service Medal as Director of the Air Force Chief's Information Officer Staff at U.S. Special Operations Command. Johnson worked directly with senior congressional and secretary of defense representatives as well as top leaders within various U.S. intelligence communities to ensure America's special operations were adequately equipped to carry out critical national security missions. Hmm. He co-founded Johnson Skelly Management Group, an information technology consulting company that increased revenues by more than 200% in just three years under his leadership. In 2003, he left the company to form J2 Business Solutions, where he provided executive... If you you found a company, shouldn't the revenues increase by more than 200%? Co-founded, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, you're starting at zero. 
That's a valid point. In 2003, he left the company to form J2 Business Solutions, where he provided executive-level IT support as a defense contractor to the U.S. military. From 2006 to 2010, he served as the chief operation officer of a global manufacturer of a highly of highly electronic components for the transportation industry. So you, th- that's kind of depressing because he doesn't sound like a total idiot. No. So it means that he's lying. I mean, that he's, he, he is, this is, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's going to bet. He's going to, uh, he's going to, he's going to, he sounds like someone capable of executing an internet search and finding out that everything he just said in that speech is (laughs) impossible. Yeah. Yeah. A valid, a valid point. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Work with top leaders in various U.S. Te- intelligence communities. Uh, Bill Johnson from Ohio. So there we go. Bill Johnson. I. Uh, yeah, that is somewhat depressing. I would say he is not someone that maybe believes what he was saying, but just spreading the fear. Just spreading yeah. the fear. I don't know. I wouldn't hire him as my IT consultant. No. <laughs> no. Well, what you need, you got to have a bomb shelter. Then you need a, a second server inside the bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to cost a lot of money. It is going to cost tons of money. Okay, take us somewhere else. Sorry. That's... He put this he put that speech on his website. BillJohnsonHouse.house.gov is on the front page. He put the YouTube link to that speech. He's he's proud of this. Yes. What, yeah. an, ama- what an amazing speech someone tweeted. Wow. <laughs> Bill Johnson. Oh, look at this. Bill Johnson went. He's just in full effect. Bill Johnson went undercover to a Wendy's in Cambridge, and he was uh, serving. Looks like he was serving hamburgers at a Wendy's in Cambridge undercover. Okay. No politician's ever done that before. That's a uh, good one. I think Wendy's is based in Ohio, isn't it? I uh, I don't know actually. So that that might that might taking be. a shot. All the Wendy's around um, these parts have closed down. Yeah, I don't think it's doing very well. At least regionally. We're listless. I took us on a huge. I don't have much more. I mean, there's zero hedges, like saying all the gold is gone, but they're always saying that. Yeah, they want us to buy it. Is that what they're saying? Well, so it was kind of interesting. I just don't know what it means. Um, they're calling it the Co Mexodus. J.P. Morgan's vault <laughs> is one withdrawal away for running out of deliverable gold. One week ago, when we reported the record plunge in registered gold held by the various COMEX gold warehouses in general, and J.P. Morgan in particular, which uh, saw the gold coverage ratio or the number of paper claims through open futures interest for every ounce of deliverable gold, soar to what we then thought was a record and unsustainable 207 times. So that means that um, paper gold, like... Orders for gold versus the actual gold that's there to fill the orders, 207 times more paper than actual gold. 
we thought this situation would be promptly rectified as a few hundred thousand ounces of eligible gold would be adjusted back into the registered category. Not only has this not happened, but with every passing day, the situation is getting progressively worse. So they're naked, uh, naked short selling. Well, they're according to their records, the physical gold is all going away. Hmm. But then there's still a lot of. Don't worry about it. Germany will get it to you soon enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a big deal. I'll hit, you, I'll hit you up next month. Don't even, <laughs> don't even worry about it. You'll have all those Syrians putting out. Uh, you know, manufacturing stuff left and right. You don't need any gold. Is Europe in trouble? I think everybody's in trouble. Yeah. It's a... It's a bubble. It's a giant uh, bubble economy. Yeah, but the funny part is I don't want to spread the fear that here it's about to pop because even though it may... It just as well may not, and it, yeah, it and unless another... it and unless it doesn't, I mean, if if the game is rigged, until they stop rigging it, it's gonna keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah, which then gets into uh, morally, what do you want to be involved in, and what do you not want to be involved in? And I think people have to make their own own choices on that. But says two salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> well do you I mean do you uh, you know I mean I'm not going to be investing in biotech no or <laughs> or I sell, big I, pharma I sell the safest cars on the planet uh, Volvo was not invented by Hitler uh, was not involved in the bailout uh, I, I seem I'm okay with it I, I can sleep at night just fine so I'll, I'll go with that for now yeah I'm just helping fry everyone with their uh, <laughs> internet electromagnetic. You are get, you are into a, an industry that is ubiquitous. I don't think there's any anything wrong with that. A ubiquitous industry, you are uh, directly in the center of there. Nothing. So there, so I mean, so is car, cars and internet. Everybody's going to need them. They're auctioning off the higher spectrums mm-hmm. now in developing technology for it mm-hmm. because the lower spectrums used by cell towers and what have you are uh, I mean there's only so much saturation you can do so the FCC is auctioning off some of the they're still pretty low uh, but like 2 and 3 gigahertz uh, spectrum so there's a uh, 5G coming soon. There we go. 5G. Well, what do we got? What's our last couple stories? New fetal line from live abortion emerges for vaccine production. Yeah, there's a cheery one to end on. Yeah, that was uh, sent to us by a listener. So go ahead and check that one out. And then you put this one in. Is Oh, I didn't put that one in there? No, I, I did. I think I saw that. Okay. Well, no, I knew that you, I knew you did. Okay. Yep. Well, let, let's look at that then. Okay. I mean, that's... Uh, I need to raise my blood pressure right before going to bed. <laughs> uh, new fetal... And then it's got a picture of a little 
baby in there too. A uh, new fetal cell line from live abortion emerges for vaccine production. Um, due to dwindling capacity for existing aborted fetal cell lines to self-replicate, scientists in China have de- developed a new aborted fetal cell line, WALVAX2, that will be used for viral vaccine production. The existing cell lines, MRC5 and WI38, are currently used in MMR, varicella, hepatitis A, shingles, and some rabies and some polio vaccines. WALVAX2 is taken from the lung tissue of a three-month gestation female who was ultimately selected from among nine aborted babies. The scientists noted how they followed specific guidelines to mimic WI38 and MRC5 in selecting the aborted babies, ranging from two to four months gestation. They further noted how they induced labor using a water bag abortion to shorten the delivery time and prevent the death of the fetus to ensure live intact organs which were immediately sent to labs for cell preparations. I don't know if I can keep reading that. So, um, yet another reason uh, that we've discussed before to be anti-vax, as the media calls it. Tim, you're on mute. Maybe. I am on mute. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta quit. You gotta quit muting it. We gotta we gotta end on something more cheery. There's gotta be some good news out there. Where's some good news next week? To take it. All right. Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, over at Wired Magazine. The headline is "California's Katrina is coming." So <laughs> California you- might be destroyed soon. Okay. So. Okay. More fear. Let's do Yay. it. Yay! No, just kidding. Just kidding, Californians. Um, I don't actually want to see California destroyed. It was just a joke. Yeah, of course. Uh, did and you watch the 9-11 trillions follow the money? No. It's a new one out from uh, James Corbett. I recommend everyone go check that out. He gets into P-Tech. Um, Ooh. That, the, his uh, podcast on P-Tech is one of the best podcasts of all time. Of all time. Well, this one, he puts the P-Tech stuff in. He puts the insider trading stuff in. I, mean, I don't know how you can dispute the insider trading. Um, oh, so did he put it out on 9-11 on the anniversary? Uh, that would be a James Corbett-like thing to do. I bet he did. He did it four days ago. Yes, he did. That is exactly. Okay. What's the, what's the name of it again? Nine Eleven Trillions. Follow the money. That sounds good. Um, oh, and uh, to add on to add on, let's let's, let's do it. Go ahead. Uh, Shemida and the Blood Moons didn't kill us all. So hooray! Oh, yeah. yeah, the tri- Yeah, did you uh, listen to uh, Chris's podcast on that? I was hoping he did a podcast on that. He did. He just uh, was interviewed. What, what was it? What was it out under? Oh, it was okay. It was somebody else's show. Like I think I, I have his podcast, like Flint sub- Radio. Subscribe, but then he never puts anything out on that. So I need to find out where there's his, where one, the of his, one of his White stuff is. one of his podcasts is the uh, Chris White Everything feed. Okay, I need to get that. Here, we'll do You're a t- listening to the Corbett Report. We'll do a teaser for the, the 9-11 trillions, follow the money, and give everybody some homework. All right. 
Al-Qaeda terrorist. 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 September the 11th. Al-Qaeda. 9-11 hijackers. Jihadist. Terrorist organizations. Terror attack. Bin Laden. September 11th. Terrorist. The self-confessed mastermind. Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Terrible new terrorist organization. September 11th. Our enemy is a radical network of terrorists and every government that supports them. Forget for one moment everything you've been told about September 11th, 2001. Instead, let's ask ourselves one question. What was 9-11? A terrorist atrocity? An attack on America? The first salvo in a new war? A day that changed everything? The question may seem simple, but how we answer it is of vital importance. It determines how we proceed with our investigation of that day. And once you strip away the emotional rhetoric and the fear-inducing imagery, we're left with the simple truth. 9-11 was a crime. And as with any crime, there is one overriding imperative that detectives must follow to identify the perpetrators. Follow the money. This is an investigation of the 9-11 money trail. You want to watch it now, don't you? I do. <laughs> it's, it's really, really good. I was thinking if we wanted to end on a really high note, we could always just pull, end it with uh, James Corbett's original 9-11 video, or at least his, his most popular video ever. Yeah, because it was recently 9-11, so that would be, that would be appropriate. So and 9-11, um, I guess if it weren't for 9-11 and if it weren't for people like James Corbett deconstructing on 11, this podcast would not exist. It's a valid point. That is a valid point. I flew on 9 11. I don't know if you want to admit that, Tim. <laughs> 20th hijacker? No, I flew on 9 11 d- d- like four days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I was, I did, I was, in, the, I was in the Navy. Was, I was, was on a, TSA. I was, on a, I was on a Navy base. Was TSA extra. It's actually strangely empty. Airport. I don't think a lot of people like to yeah. fly on 9-11. <laughs> yeah, I think I there's forget a, that. Yeah, the, the plane had a lot of empty seats in it, so I think that actually might be an issue. So, uh, Speaking of that, that reminds me, if you are not following Revelations Radio News on Twitter, please do so, at R-E-V Radio News. Uh, one thing that I have not done before and I will start doing in the future, once you and I decide no show, I can just tweet it out. And that's what I did last time. So uh, follow at Rev Radio News. That way you'll know no show this week and you can move on with your days, not have to worry about trying to find out if it's there and download it or whatever. Um, so follow us on Twitter and I will tweet out if we are no longer going to do a show. With that, before we play... How, how about tweeting out if we are going to do a show? Tweeting out if we are doing a show. Maybe. We can do a show. I don't know. It seems the show would just come out and then you would just know. I don't know. Something like that. But before we conclude, before we are played out with the the uh, sarcastic tones of James Corbett in his tribute to 9-11 from years ago before his amazing tribute this year, what words... Tribute's the wrong word. Tribute's the wrong words. What would, what would it be? Um... 
analysis. It's amazing. I've worked, I don't know, 12 hours today, 10 hours. So I've come home, I've turned on the computer, I'm right doing a show. So I'm a little worn out. I apologize for that. His analysis of 9-11, his original sarcastic analysis, I encourage everybody, link will be in the show notes or just go to corporatereport.com to go to his most recent, very awesome analysis. Words of wisdom, Andrew Hoffman. Uh, words of wisdom. Is there anything wrong with the old-fashioned eye formation in a short-yarded situation? <laughs> so your words of wisdom are, do not run a draw up the middle do not out, run of the, out of the shotgun on fourth and one situation. On fourth and one. Okay, okay. I kind of thought everybody knew that. Drop back, hand the ball off. Yeah, or you can... Eye formation, you either hand it to Marshawn up the middle, hand it to the fullback up the middle, or play action, roll out Russell Wilson and throw it to Jimmy Graham, or run for the first down. <laughs> All are valid options. <laughs> we'll see you guys. Draw up, draw up the middle, not a valid option. With that, Matt Schneider can maniacally laugh himself to sleep tonight, and... Uh... <laughs> You guys all have a good week. We'll see you next week. Hey, in, enjoy the six and ten season, Matt. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> That's Andrew at Gorge Net or Gorge, Gorge something. I don't know. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast. September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th. 2001.
Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victims' family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because nobody in our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC-7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And They took the babies out of the incubators. And Mobile production facilities. And The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater, and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength. <laughs>